0: Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of
1: Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Patty, this is Jim. How can I help
2: you? Hi, Jim. Um, Hey, listen, I I moved into a house, uh, a 15-year-old house last year, and had the wood and carpet and tile taken up and had some luxury vinyl tile put down. Mm -hmm. And it was looking good, but it's starting to... Peak the 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 um, getting some rises where the joints are and stuff like that. Okay. And uh, and I've talked to the uh, place where I bought it, and they had their installer guy come out and and he looked at it and he said it wasn't an installation problem; it was uh, probably a manufacturing problem. And I'm just you know not sure how much what I need to do next. If there's an outside expert, I could come and look at it and 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 say whether it's an installation or manufacturing problem or. And what what, did what type has?
3: of material was it?
2: It's a luxury vinyl tile.
3: Okay, so and it's did like
2: seven by seven by four inch, forty eight inch planks.
3: Did he buy it or did you?
2: They bought it and installed. I mean, I went through them, the flooring company. You know, okay. they placed the order and they brought it out and installed it.
3: So, if it's a manufacturer's problem, they should go back to the manufacturer, then.
2: Right, but <clears throat> yeah, I mean, would they? You know, it's a lifetime installation warranty. If they're saying it's not installation, how much would I have to pay to get it redone? Or would the manufacturing cover all that? Uh, I never if had it, to deal with that.
3: If it was a manufacturing problem, then the manufacturer typically would cover installation. Um, okay. But I'm going to be honest with you. It'll surprise the heck out of me if it's going to be a manufacturing problem.
2: I agree with M- that. My but guess I don't know is, how to prove it, yeah.
3: Well, but you won't have to uh force them to contact the manufacturer and all of these manufacturers have reps that they can send out to investigate it
2: okay excellent
3: yeah and they will then <laughs> deal with the installer
2: okay so i'll just keep pressing on the on the floor company to yeah or you can company. call
3: you can call the manufacturer direct even
2: okay i was wondering uh, about that do, so, do you have yeah.
3: to do you happen to have any of the boxes or anything
2: i do yes
3: Okay, that should have the contact information on it. Okay. And so you can just contact the manufacturer and deal with them direct, and then, and then you can pull the uh, installer in after the fact.
2: Okay. Well, thank you so much. It was a beautiful floor, but now it's just, you know, over time it's getting worse. You know? yeah. So, yeah.
3: Yeah, my guess right. is they got the wrong adhesive down or something.
2: Well, it's a, it's a floating floor. Ah. It's not a, It's not glued down. It's floating.
3: So it, it's if it's a floating floor. When you say it's it's uh, coming up at the joints, is it kind of tenting like?
2: Yeah, it's. A, I think they call it peaking, where it's pushing together and sort of peaking up.
3: Uh, okay, then I can tell you exactly what the problem is. Okay. They didn't need, leave enough gap around yeah. the edges, and so That's that floor expands too. and contracts. And yeah. when it d- does that, yeah, it it. Uh, Pushes up that way, that is an installation problem.
2: Do you think the floors can be saved if they just went on yes. and, and increased the expansion? Do you think they just need to increase the expansion joint and it'll go back down? Or yeah, because
3: the the worst thing they may have to do is take out some sections and and put and you know put it back together again.
2: Yeah. Well, okay, I wanted the floating floors because I didn't want to deal with glue downs and yep. stuff. But, but nope. anyway, yeah, I yeah think so. They could
3: yeah, if that if that's what it's doing. yeah, and you're right. Floating floor is way better. And you'll yeah. find out why when they got when they get ready into redoing this. I know. Uh yes, but get absolutely. that manufacturer involved and they will clear this up in a heartbeat.
2: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I enjoy you listening bet. to you.
3: Thank you, ma'am. I I enjoy doing the show.
2: Okay. Bye.
3: Bye-bye. We're going to head up to Austin. Gary this is Jim. How can I help you?
4: Good afternoon, Jim. I enjoy listening to your show down here or up here in Austin. (laughs) I've got uh, outside, actually on the roof, two vent pipes uh, that gas, uh, the sewer gas smell is coming out. It's pretty strong. So on one of them, we put one of those charcoal filters on. But I'm thinking there shouldn't be any sewer gas actually coming out of those. And I'm not sure bought the house about six years ago where the sewer clean out line is otherwise i could get in there and maybe uh clean that out to see if maybe there's a backup somewhere
3: okay and and where is this uh, stack at that you're it's is it on the roof
4: yes the um the vent tube vent pipes are on the roof okay close to our patio so when we're when we're out there you can smell it If you're out, the back
3: patio. Yeah. Uh, You know, it it is really not that unusual to have vent stacks where you would smell an odor. Now, normally, that odor would be going up and not come down onto the patio. Uh, Typically, when it's coming down like that onto the patio, it's because of something in the terrain that, as the wind comes across, pushes it down. Okay. And I got an idea that's what's happening to you is it, whether it's the trees or a hill or just the shape of the roof is able to, as the wind is coming from a certain direction, it follows it on down to the, the ground, and that's why you're smelling it.
4: Yeah, we've got a hill uh, on the backyard. It's actually limestone, uh, probably maybe about 30 foot high. Okay. So we're... House is kind of in a little valley here, yep, and so that's what you're saying is probably the, the
3: cause of it. Yep, uh so now there sometimes is some things you can do for it. Uh, sometimes it's as simple as extending the stack up a little bit, not not typically the the most sightly thing you want to see, you know yep. uh, uh, other times, it may be just a matter of moving the vent across the roof somewhere. Oh, okay. It, it doesn't necessarily have to come straight up and out the roof. It it could be redirected because the whole purpose of it is to just allow the pipes to draw air in. Oh,
4: okay. Okay. Now, then, uh, as far as the sewer line, the clean out, uh, is there something, uh, a device that the plumbers use to try to locate that, or am I going to yes. happen to spend an hour of their time? and money or my money for them to try to find out where it's at.
3: Well, it could take an hour to find it, but uh, typically do you know where the uh, sewer line for the city is? I mean, is it out front, out back or, or do you even have city?
4: It's going to be out front.
3: Okay. So, typically go out front and look for where one of the where the bathroom is. Oh, okay. And wherever the toilet is is normally where the line's going to come out and okay. you can just get a probe rod and start probing for it.
4: Both of the bathrooms are on the back side of the house, though.
3: Yeah, that makes it a little more difficult. Um,
4: so the previous owner kind of gave us an an idea where that line uh, or the clean-out is, but I haven't been able to find it. I went in there with a shovel and was uh, taking a top probably six inches off trying to find off find it and
3: if not no you you'll typically find the if there's no clean out where it's just a pipe you'll find that pipe anywhere from 18 inches to three feet down in the ground uh if there happens to be a clean out on it then yeah you would normally find that in the top six inches how old a home is it
4: Uh, i think it was built in 75
3: uh chances are good you don't have a clean out then Okay, and so one would have to be added.
4: All right. Well, thank you very much for your information, and again, I enjoy listening to your show on the
3: weekends. Hey, I appreciate your call, Gary. Let's head to West University. Hello, Carol.
5: Oh, hello, Jim. Uh, love your show. A uh, quick question. I live in an eighty-five-year-old home, and in my upstairs bathroom, um. The pipe that goes from the toilet to the wall makes a high-pitched whistling noise, and it's not ongoing. It's just from time to time, almost daily, though. And when I flush the toilet, once I hear the noise, I'll flush the toilet, and then it stops. Right. It all started when a plumber turned the water off to make a repair. So, I don't know... If something needs to be replaced, and it's that that little pipe, that tiny pipe that goes from the toilet to the wall, that's where the noise comes from.
3: Right. Yeah, and it, it's it's really nothing more than some water running through there. Uh, more than likely, what's happening is the uh, fill valve in the toilet tank mm-hmm. is is get it, is uh, clicking on. It could be you're getting a little bit of water drop in the in the From the tank into the bowl, and so the float starts trying to click on, and it as the water is just squeaking through there, it's making that whistling noise. And the reason it shuts down when you flush it is because it opens the valve fully. So here's what here's what I want you to do next time it starts doing it, Mm -hmm. pull the float up. The, The float inside the tank. Okay. Just lift that up and if that whistling stops, mm-hmm. all you got to do is have the uh the filler valve inside the tank replaced and they're they're relatively inexpensive, it's anywhere from 12 to 20 bucks. And okay. uh that that'll take care of it. Beverly in Needville. You doing all right Hi, today?
5: You. I'm great, and you?
3: I'm um, wonderful. Well,
5: pretty chilly outside, but Uh, Well, I'm I'm wonderful because
3: I'm inside.
5: (laughs) (laughs) I'm in a truck right now. But anyway, I'm wondering about these porcelain floors we had put in a few years back. Uh, The grout has never been easy to clean. I don't think they sealed it properly, the grout. Uh And so we've spent, well, my husband has spent many hours scrubbing the grout with all kind of different stuff because we have dogs and cats that come in and out and all that. So we just don't know what to do. I'm tired of looking at black grout that's supposed to be tan, and uh, it just won't stay clean. And don't know what to do about it. Please help.
2: Okay.
3: Well, the, the first thing, the easiest way to clean grout lines is actually to steam clean them.
5: Hmm. Okay. Like uh, have a professional come out
3: and do it? And it's really not expensive at all. Uh, last one I had done was less than $100 to have the... Oh, okay. and that And that did... Like two rooms, okay. um, so it's really not expensive and you and you can actually get one of your own machines for doing it as well, but uh that's typically gonna do a quick and easy job of it uh after it's been steam cleaned, you mm-hmm. can at that point reseal it then.
5: Okay, is that something we do ourselves? No, oh, you can
3: have it done or do it yourself. I mean, either way, but um, if, if you stop by one of the floor and decor stores, you'll see mm-hmm. that they've got grout sealers there, and mm-hmm. they'll even have little uh, rollers that you can use to just follow the grout line to put it in.
5: Oh, okay. Well, that sounds great. We'll just have to keep the dogs and cats out for a while and just let it dry up, I guess. So. Yep.
3: Now, I'm going to tell you up front, they're still going to get dirty. But the bigger thing that the sealer will do is make it easier to clean it again.
5: That would be great. I appreciate your help so much, and you have a wonderful weekend.
3: You as well. Take care.
5: Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.
3: When it comes to grout, uh, most of the new grouts have sealers in them already. So it's it's not something that you have to add a sealer, but you can add a sealer, and you can actually... Uh, every couple of years, reseal them if you, if you want in order to help with this. But again, steam cleaning is going to be the easiest way to clean them up. Uh, but if you got pets coming in and out of the house, it's pretty much always going to be a battle to keep uh, grout lines cleaned up. Headed to League City. Glenn, how are you? I'm
6: doing well, Jim. How are you? Doing great. I'd like to ask two quick questions if that's okay. Yes, sir. First question is my uh bathroom. I have a HVAC vent and a fan and when it gets really windy, it sounds like there's a bird stuck somewhere up there flailing.
3: Yep, that's in the fan.
6: Okay, and what what needs to what's wrong is it loose or something?
3: Well, the the fan in there there's more than just a the fan. There's going to be a flapper valve as well. And if that thing's not shutting just totally tight, uh, when the wind is hitting from outside, it may be bouncing that flapper valve a little bit. The flapper valve opens like. when you turn the fan on, uh, and when you shut it off, then it it should close down. But, um, yeah, when the wind hits it, it'll, it'll make it bounce back and forth.
6: So should I replace it, or does it just need to be maybe tightened?
3: Well, where, do you know where the... Uh, the output is for the fan
6: it's um it's oh it's on the roof so that so where the pipe is on the roof is that where the flapper valve is
3: well no it's on the it's on the unit inside but even if you put a new unit you you'll have the same problem what i would suggest is where the uh rooftop unit is Mm -hmm. they make caps that you can put on it so the wind doesn't blow straight down and that would fix it
6: Okay, that's what I'll do. I appreciate that. And then the second question is, um, I'm in a relatively new home. I have large windows in my family room. One of the windows has a defect. It's like a bubble uh, that probably happened when they were, when they were uh, making it. There's no cracks or anything. The builder's willing to replace it. I'm concerned that if I replace it, things are going to start leaking. So should I w- – would you recommend that I replace it? Because I would think after a few seasons of hot and cold – that may start to crack, but I don't know.
3: I'd replace it and wouldn't. Work. Your chances of having a leak problem are pretty slim, and even if it does, it just needs resealing.
6: Okay, so w- would you would you recommend replacing it? Yes. Okay, that's what I'll do, Jim. Thank you very much. I hope you have a nice rest of the weekend.
3: Thank you, Glenn. You as well. Just a reminder: it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us.
0: Jeff, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hey Jim, I, can you tell me quick question? Um, Going to hang sheetrock four by eight uh, into wood studs. Okay. What size coarse metal uh, coarse screws is it? One and a quarter, one and five eighths? I couldn't remember.
3: Well, I personally would be using one and five eighths.
0: Okay, sounds good. And with your last call, remind report, Reminded me, I got another question, if you don't mind.
3: No, go ahead.
0: Uh, I took out a sink wet bar, and I need to uh, cap off the blue and red PEX lines. Okay. Do, what are you? What's your thoughts on that uh, shark bite, or do you have better idea of how to just cap them off? We just got rid of the fin- sink, sink there.
3: Yeah. Now, will it still be accessible uh, if you cap it? with the shark bite
0: uh if i i or are I you going to she rock over it? the attic no it's already in the wall and i'm uh i'm going to go up in the attic and cut the pipe off up there in the attic and i need just to just kind of cap it off up oh, there oh
3: yeah shark bites will work just fine then
0: okay great thank
3: now, you now that you know uh-huh. if you go with like the the Upinor fittings or something like that then you got to have a special piece of uh, uh, tool in order to install it and uh you know even on copper pipes shark bites work great now i'm personally like to keep it where if something should happen i can still access it but uh they I, i i be honest with you i've done plenty of repairs with them and they're they're easy to use and do a great
0: job Okay, yeah, cuz they ran all the water lines through the attic down to each faucet and stuff. So I yeah. thought, well, I don't I don't want to leave it in the wall. Yep. So I thought if I went up in the attic, capped it off up there in the attic, then I can still get access to it later. There you go. Okay. Okay. Thank you,
3: Jim. You bet. Let's head back to Frisco and Al, this is Jim. How can I help you?
0: Hi, Jim. Yeah, um since the uh the snow that we just had and a lot of thaw, I had um a lot of snow just kind of around the house and it, it, it all just melted away recently it's still very wet but now what we're seeing in the garage uh it's all cement um, is these especially around the water heater that's you know in a in a closet area there's like these water stains coming up through the cement, and uh, I'm starting to see like this white almost like a mold uh forming. Yep. Um, and I have no idea what it is.
3: It's efflorescence, And basically, it's a chemical reaction that occurs when moisture gets into the concrete. And you, you actually see more of it as the concrete ages a little bit. Uh, and more than likely, how old's your home?
0: Uh, it was built in 96.
3: Okay. And what happens to a lot of people as a home ages... It gets uh, more and more soil around it, higher up on the grade beams and stuff, and that starts allowing moisture to migrate through the concrete. And the stone and Portland and all the the, uh, materials that form concrete start having a chemical reaction when it gets wet. And this stuff that comes out looking like cotton candy, basically, uh, is effervescence. And you know it's just caused from the moisture so typically you got to deal with some drainage issues uh in order to help mitigate it uh, along with they do make some coatings that you can put on the concrete in order to minimize it but the chemical reaction is still always there okay all right well fantastic thank you you bet you take care let's go over to garland and larry welcome to texas home improvement
7: yeah thanks jim yeah, I have a question. Uh, we anyway, had all that freezing weather back in February last year. A lot of people had the pipes freezing in the house. I was told all you need to do is just shut off the uh, pressure at the uh, street and open the faucets and all the ice will come out through the faucets and your pipes won't break. And I go online and uh, find out you, that you really shut off the pressure and you need to drain everything down through the foundation. Uh, what, what's the safest, way to, the safest thing to do here?
3: Well, if you're going to shut the water off, You definitely want to drain it because if you leave the water in the pipes, it can still freeze. And when it freezes, when water freezes, it expands. That's actually what breaks the pipes. And so you let it thaw out, you turn the water back on, and you're full of holes. So if you're going to shut the water off, go around, open all the valves, let all the water drain out, close the valves again, uh, and sit out the freeze.
7: Okay. Some friends told me that you you could just shut it off at the out there and open the faucets and the ice would somehow creep out through the uh, faucets and not break the pipes. No, I didn't think so. <laughs> that's a, <laughs> that just that just sounded too easy. I'm yeah. thinking the pipes break from freezing anyway. That's what I wanted to know then.
3: Yeah. No. So. Nah. And, and you know a lot of people don't realize this, but uh, you you take a pipe, it's going to be either half inch or three quarters of an inch. It goes through a uh, spigot or your faucet or whatever. It's going through orifices that are less than a quarter inch. So, no, it's never going to just slide on out.
7: Yeah. Okay. Well, good. I know what to do then next time. All right. Well, thank you very much.
3: You're welcome. You take care. Gail, did we make it through this time?
5: I think we did. Oh,
3: that sounds so much better. (laughs) How can I help you?
5: I was wanting to know what the cost difference is between the foam for foundation repair and the customary method that they use for foundation repair.
3: Well, that depends. How long are you going to stay in the house?
5: Um, well, we've been there 35 years, but probably going to stay there um, maybe only in a couple of more years.
7: Okay.
3: And the reason I say that when you use the spray foam or, or the the injected foam rather all you're yep. doing is filling the void and uh lifting the slab with foam and you're sitting right on the active soil still so every time the soil you know dries out it shrinks it's it'll settle it gets wet it expands again uh you've done nothing to stop the movement of the foundation all you've done is fix what cosmetically happened when the foundation moved with the soils and i have the equipment for doing foam injection yeah i will i will not do a home oh okay. uh, i will do commercial buildings you know like warehouses and stuff i do driveways patios roads that those kind of things but a house is built with sheetrock all over the place. And a little yeah. bit of movement cracks the sheetrock. And when a house is done with foam, guaranteed it's going to be moving.
5: Okay, okay.
3: So it, okay. it is, I, I will say, it is a little cheaper to you know, do the foam injection than it is to put piers in. But in the long run, you're way cheaper to, to put piers in.
5: I see. Our neighbors had them come out, and it, it's like they just poured concrete in it. I don't think they did the piers. Do you know anything about what I'm trying to talk about here?
3: Well, uh, you said they poured concrete.
5: Yeah, so did, it's like they just had the concrete that they put under there.
3: So they came in, dug holes, and then uh, poured concrete into the holes. Correct. Yeah, they did. They did what's called a drilled pier. And uh, you basically, you dig a hole first, you drill down into the ground, put some rebar, fill it with concrete, and then come back, usually about a week later, and do the actual leveling.
5: Right, okay.
3: And that's just one type of pier. Um, You know, you've got, that's called a drilled pier. You've got the precast concrete piles that are, Driven in the ground with hydraulics. You've got right. steel piles that are driven in the ground with hydraulics. And you've got helical piers, which are screwed in the ground, that are made out of steel. So there's a lot of different techniques out there. All of them have their place, which is one of the reasons I do all of them. Uh, right. It all depends on the soils that you're dealing with. Let me talk to you a, a little bit, because I, I had an interesting week. I uh, went down to Cedar Hill and worked with a guy named uh, Dave Montoya with LearnCrete. And basically, this is a concrete product that has uh, no rock or anything in it, since we're talking about concrete a little bit here. Uh, And he puts an additive that he came up with into it that makes it almost like Play-Doh. And he's able to just build some amazing things. Now we started down there on Tuesday and by yesterday at noon had retaining walls, had a waterfall, had uh, patio areas, two of them uh, with two sets of steps and all this benches and a fire pit all built without using forms or anything. Now I took an opportunity to have a, a, uh, an interview with him while I was down there and I'm going to take just a minute to, uh, Play that interview for you if that's all right. Now, we're doing something a little bit different today. I'm actually on a job site and I've got Dave here. And, Dave, first of all, this is a unique job site. But before we get into that, full
1: name, name a company. David Montoya with Learn Creek. We, uh, we train contractors. We, that's what we call Learn, Learn Creek.
3: And you've been sitting here telling jokes and upbeat,
1: and all of a sudden you're nice, nice and serious. <laughs> I haven't got back to my. You know, oh, okay. I'm getting into it.
3: So we're out here at Learncrete, and you've, you've actually had a, a training going here on I this have. project. But uh, let's talk about this this Learncrete and, and this this process because you basically took concrete and modified it into something I hadn't seen before.
1: Yeah, we call it a, a kind of a we not that we think we're superior, but I think it's a superior concrete. And uh, we you know our, we call call ourselves Concrete Rebellion because we're kind of rebels. We don't do things like you do with concrete, like forms we throw on the ground and make a patio and goes, where's, you know. Yeah, I know, I'm still ground? struggling with that one, but that, that's a different story. <laughs> the steps, no forms, uh, you know, a waterfall that we, you know, we take up. It's stronger than anything you can believe. That's you know, with panels. Yeah. Just a lot of different, constru- different construction methods that, that, are, that are not conventional. And we kind of go outside the box, and that's what we've done. But I. Uh, you know, the, even the outdoor kitchen, everything, the, the substrate is the veneer. Uh, there's a lot of things. Well,
3: so, uh, the
1: countertops are just amazing. Aren't they beautiful? Yeah. I'll tell you what, I'm real proud of the way that uh, Bradley, my nephew, he's actually taken it to the next level. There's so much to do with this product that we have. We do everything from fire pits and veneers and, you know, of course, the outdoor kitchen. Right. It's amazing that the waterfall, which looks like rock, look, is the same bag mix that makes those incredible marble-looking tops that we have.
3: Well, and, you know, you mentioned you do all these different things. I mean, in this little space over here, which I know we can't see on radio, but right. in this little space, we've got the waterfall going, which people can probably hear that mm-hmm. in the background. You've got a fire pit that looks like a tree stump, mm-hmm. which, it, it I mean, really, you can't tell it is not a tree stump. Yeah, it's pretty unique. Uh, and the outdoor kitchen, all in this one little area, all made out of this concrete that started yesterday morning.
1: That's true. Uh End of two days here. We're almost an hour to go to 5 o'clock. And, uh, and we're, all, we're pretty much finished. We've got staining to do, and the boys already putting in the, the, the grill. And, yes, it's an amazing – and a big retainer wall in the backyard. Yeah,
3: I tried to get him to put the grill on the back of my truck, but they said they needed it. They needed it. Okay, yeah, well, you know, that's the way it is. So the retaining wall here, let, let's talk about that for a second. Because most retaining walls, when you start looking at them, I mean, you've got to have – Uh, rebar in it if you're using concrete you got to have drainage behind it you got to have all this stuff
7: this didn't do that
1: yeah and we have holes in it for weeping and everything on the same so the same type of stuff that we do have for drainage but the big thing about this right here is that it's a monolith so it's monolithic a lot of times if you do any other kind of concrete wall you got to have you got to have a footer to the bottom right or stop undertow you have you know because you're trying to stop the hydrostatic pressure or here in texas the you know the, the movement of the earth is crazy because of the you know it gets dry and then it gets you know it pop concrete uh, 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 pulls out of the out of the out of the ground i've seen some crazy stuff so these these walls are so unique in that they're a monolith and they pretty much float right th- on there so no matter what it is they, and they just don't the concrete's 3280 in 24 hours so the strength is absolutely insane we have fiber all through it um and of course we do rebar okay
3: we and back up there you said 3280 in 24 hours 24 hours 3280
1: psi in 24 hours which is unheard of Uh, yeah so where are we at in in a week so core testing gets at about seven to eight thousand psi so it gets out to that we get high end quick and then it goes and because we have a hydroscopic mix that go uh, that chemical that goes in draws water to itself it's like you're wetting it constantly so it's creating a real cure from the inside and, of course, drawing water into itself, almost like the old Roman concrete did. Right. And so, we're stacking it up with no form. Yeah. That's I, the I, big thing. There's I no saw form. that. I mean, we went almost four feet here. Four feet, 60 feet, or 75 feet, and no form. And right. we did it. The whole thing was done in two hours? Yeah, two and a half, two hours, something yeah. like that. And it's structural as anything. I've had so many engineering. I've spoken at some of the biggest colleges, uh, you know, um, Key State University, all, a lot of these, these engineering colleges. I spoke at Marouche, which is in St. Louis, which he did all Disney World and all uh, SeaWorld. And I've spoken, I've showed this process and they've absolutely just, it's so they're used to the conventional, coming out of college, what they learn, and then you get some guy like me, never they barely finished high school, but I started to, to develop these other things there and, and all of a sudden they worked and thousands and thousands of walls later, yeah. you break the paradigm and people go, okay, it's all right. <laughs> but you know, we're doing it, so yeah. Yeah, it's exciting.
3: Uh, so, I mean, realistically, you did a project in two days that conventional construction would have put at least three weeks into this. Yeah,
1: three weeks to a month. I, I used to do. I was a landscaper and I did heartscaping. So we used to do outdoor kitchen. You know, you did the old rock and you put the block and then you veneered it. You know, the tops. The I mean, even a waterfall would take me at least a week, week and a half to this size of waterfall here. Uh, and it's gorgeous. And the overhangs you can't get with real rock.
3: Yeah, I know. The whole time
1: we've been here, you've been telling
3: me, Just g- give me 30 minutes, give me 30 minutes. And every 30 <laughs> minutes, I look and,
1: and we there's something else happening. Well, you know, we threw a blob of concrete on the ground over here because they sent us kind of a wet mix. We used to wear a dry mix. They sent a blob there and we turned it and we carved it into a fire pit bench. Uh, you, know, I, you know, people, as they hear this, they go, well, wait a second, what are you talking about? If you go to Learn creative you mind me throwing that out there? Absolutely. Learn, uh, you go to YouTube. And put in Learn Creek L U R N. We're different, even in the spelling, right? So L U R N C R E T E, Learn Creek, and put in there in the search, and you'll see thousands of videos. And you'll see us do crazy things.
3: Now, and they can go look at that. But you, you're also training contractors who want to get into this.
1: Yes. So uh, we're looking for installers all the time, and there's just not enough. I and mean, we got so many people in demand for this product, uh, not only because of price, the speed to which we do it. Uh, and so they're looking at, you know, they want to get involved with this. So, sure. you know, we, 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 train them and we tell, you know, that that's part of our deal. We learn, we teach them. So we had a training class. When we were here. A lot of guys came out and learned how to do this. So
3: again, if somebody's interested in taking a look at, cause I'm kind of running out of time oh, on I'm this sorry. segment that, no, that's okay. If somebody's about. interested, what's the website again?
1: Uh, learncrete.com, L-U-R-N-C-R-E-T-E dot com you know okay. you can see all the information
3: and they can see how it's done and where where uh, classes are taking place and absolutely stuff.
1: absolutely in fact we'll probably be out here uh in texas a few more times we have a district we have one of our stores going to come out here so where are yeah. you out of uh we're out of new hampshire we have batch plants in uh Baltimore. Oh, well we got to cut this off i'm originally from new mexico okay well, we'll you let let you know me? it my cousin just come visit me in new hampshire like Hey, man, how come you live in New Hamster? <laughs> you know, they all sound like Cheats where I live. So, anyway. Well, Dave, I appreciate you taking
3: time you to talk it. to us. You know, and, thanks uh, for having me on here. And, and I really, I look forward to talking to you about it again. You but it, it, this stuff came out gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you. And we appreciate you guys. Glad to be a part
0: of this. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.